Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. If I had simply brushed off our first interaction as one of those random likes or comments you get and not even consider it as a second thought, chances are pretty high that I would have surely missed out on a truly special kind of friendship with my next guest. With all the proverbial noise going around social media, it's easy to overlook the fact that there are actual people at the other end. People just like you, with a sense of curiosity, dreams, ambitions, motivations, opinions, and personal perspectives that are quite the discovery if you take the time to get curious and listen. To say that Alain Guillot wears many hats is an understatement. Case in point, photographer, real estate investor, podcaster, dance instructor, speaker, and author. And here I was thinking I had a full plate. On this episode... Alain and I have a candid and energetic exchange about his journey to Canada from his native Colombia, the importance of a proper mindset when dealing against the odds, being open to different experiences, staying committed, and so much more. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 110 with Alain Guillot. Here we go. No, but I'm genuinely excited to have you on. First of all, because of all the genuine connections and interactions we've had on the LinkedIn's of this world. And I have to admit, genuinely, I don't get on LinkedIn that much. But, you know, when I realize what a very vibrant community and, you know, like-minded podcasters and entrepreneurs and go-getters and champions are like, you know, going around and having some genuine, interesting conversations. And then when I ha when I saw Alan just like really interacting, you know, sometimes there are people you just see, you know, just like your content or you like back, but there are people you interact with on a very genuine human level. And Anna was definitely one of those people. So it's definitely a real treat. First of all, when we connected and the mutual support is always appreciated. And I can't thank you enough for that. Um, but also when we had the opportunity to connect in person at uh, LinkedIn Montreal, your recent event on the law, on the celebration of your 100 episode, congratulations again. Um, cause that's a really, really, really big milestone, but I, as the universe does allow, and you never know how these things happen, but when the universe allows us to connect, it's a genuine feeling. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. Welcome. Man, thank you so much. Uh, I have been following you for a little bit, Oliver. And this is an honor to be here talking to you. And likewise, I think we are a small community of podcasters right here in Montreal. And I just reach out to see, well, who are my peers? Who are the people who share the same passion as I do? And that's how I connected with you. I just say, who is this Oliver guy? And, and I listen to some of your podcasts and I like the, the bass in your voice. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I appreciate I said, wow, it. Wow, this guy seems uh, so. That's uh, and, and I felt tempted to just say hello. You know, my fellow podcaster, how how's it going? And that's how we got to meet. And that's it's as simple as that. Because at the very core, we're all human beings, and we're all in this together. And at the very basis, what's the harm in just you know just saying hi? Who are you? This is who I am. This is what you do, and this is how we connect. And lo and behold, here we are having a genuine conversation with like-minded peers. And it's really it's really so much fun to have you on because there's so much we can talk about. But one thing that I've always admired about all the content that you push out is about this drive and this you know this eagerness that you have to actually you know, just convince and keep reminding people that they have the power within themselves to change their lives and do it for the better. Because you've worn so many hats, you know, dance teacher, entrepreneur, real estate investor, financial coach, podcaster, so many things, but there's so many things we're going to get about. But I'm just going to start with a basic question. How, why are people so afraid to go after their dream? Why do you think that? Anna? Uh, it's, it's comfort. Uh, you see, um, we are all dreamers. When we were all little kids, we used to dress up as Superman or Wonder Woman. We used to play uh, housewife, house kids, and, and we had all these games and imagination, and we believed that everything was possible. And then as we are growing up, 
uh, the adults begin to tell us, be realistic, be serious, you have to be responsible, you have to stop dreaming and live in the real world. And little by little, those dreams and those fantasies begin to be chipped away. And then all of a sudden, we don't find ourselves studying the scene that we want, the art, the creative, the creative scene. We want to, we end up doing something practical, going to law school, becoming an accountant, becoming a doctor. And sometimes it's not even, we believe that that's our decision, but no, I think it's the programming that has been done not only by our parents, but our society in general. And we lose that, uh, we call it risk taker, uh, in, in, as an adult, but that sense of wonder, that sense of discovery. And I think it's a shame somehow there should be a way in which we should be able to continue driving and still earn a living. Everything doesn't have to be black and white. We don't have to give up our dreams in order to have a career to feed a, a, a family. Somehow there has to be a, a way to to put it all together. And as you said, I have been doing uh, photography, real estate, and, and this and the other thing. But what I have really been doing is to find a way to earn a living and at the same time bring that inner child alive to, in order to live other dreams. And that's that's how it happens. You often speak about um, in some of your snippets and videos over LinkedIn about, you know, how you came to Montreal as an immigrant. And take us back there. What was the motivation and what were the circumstances that brought you here? Well, I, I I come from Colombia, and at the time that I came, Colombia was a poorer country. There were lack of opportunities, and I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. I was hanging out with friends, and I was one of them who liked alcohol, uh, like a little bit of gambling, uh, maybe smoking a joint or two. Now it's legal, so now I feel comfortable saying it. But I, I felt like like I wasn't going anywhere and I felt like I needed a drastic change, a paradigm shift in order to uh, take my life to a higher level. So I, I was afraid that if I stay in my circle of friends, I will just grow up to be that same person. Uh, we, we know that you are the average of the five people who are around you. And I needed to find another five people around me that were not the same five friends. And it, I felt a little bit trapped. So I started looking at a National Geographic magazine and I saw pictures of Montreal. And I say, and so I did some research and I said, wow, education there is not expensive. There is this melange of culture. These uh, people seem to be from everywhere. They seem to be happy. And I just made all this uh, deduction from that National Geographic magazine and I made up my mind. So I started uh, sending letters to the embassy and letters to find out more information. And that's how I made the decision to come here, and I came here as a student, then I got a working visa, then I became resident, then a citizen, but it was basically running away from my environment. I knew that if I stay within this uh, uh, group of people, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advance much in life, so I was looking for a different life. That says a lot about something we often talk about in terms of change, resistance to change, or acceptance of change. And what I mean by that is what I heard from you was some honest accountability for where you were at the time, and you understood consciously that you had to make a pivot. You had to basically orient yourself towards another outcome because you know that down this road, these are the options that are for me. Not that, you know, not that pretty. And if I don't make a switch right now and veer right, normally, I have the power within me to make the choice to something better. So I'd like us to, I'd like you to, you know, just, just extend, extend a little bit on that one in terms of the power of choice, because we do have a choice, I believe. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and sometimes, uh, sometimes you find it when you are taking a shower, you start 
thinking, what am I doing? You know, how can I improve my life? Sometimes, unfortunately, is when an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate event happens and you find yourself like, I cannot continue this any longer. In my case, I have always been uh, uh, a little bit of a dreamer and and uh, I just also used to watch a lot of movies and I, I just through the movies I, I used to tell myself there is something better out there I don't have to stay here if I try if I take a chance there is something better out there I continue repeating that to myself there is uh, there's a war out there with more opportunities than the ones that I have available. And I also knew that education was the key. I tried school several times and I didn't succeed. And like I said, my friends dragged me down and I would start and quit and then start and quit again. So uh, I just had to, I just had to, if I wanted to change my life, I had to change my environment. What were the big changes? What were the big adaptations that you had to deal with leaving from Colombia coming to Montreal? Well, uh, I have, uh, first of all, I, I came as a student and I didn't have enough money to live as a student. I had to show the government of Canada that I was able to afford my education, but in fact, I was not. I was able to borrow money from family members to put it in my bank account. Then I took um, a photocopy of that bank account. I sent it to the university and they assumed that I was able to pay for my education. But in fact, I, I, I just had enough money to survive the first year and that was oh, it. Wow. So when I came here, um, I, I was going to school and working as a janitor at night. And the way that I was able to pass my classes was that I used to have um, a Walkman, which is now the equivalent of a digital recorder. Mm -hmm. And I used to record all my classes, knowing that I wouldn't have time to study, but I would record all those classes. And then my job as a janitor was to vacuum clean uh, office building. So at three o'clock in the morning, I was vacuuming office buildings, office and listening to all my classes. And somehow through that, I, I survived. Uh, well, I, of course, I had many other different jobs like that. But as I was doing this, I was seeing the possibilities. I was seeing other people living better life than I was living. And I knew that uh, if I stay consistent, I could also live a better life. So that kept me strong. That kept me going. And um, it was difficult. But, you know, when we have hope, hope of something better, when you have a why, you know, you can endure anyhow. That speaks a lot about a two very powerful, you just brought up two very powerful concepts that we keep bringing up in entrepreneur circles and winner circles and how, first of all, how you have, and that's what I heard from you. I heard there was a lot of courage despite all the hardships and unfortunate circumstances. It takes a lot of resourcefulness to actually say, you know what, this is how I'm going to get it done. And second, I also heard you talking about visualization and talking down the path of saying, you know what, this is not the end for me. This is just a chapter. And so many times, often enough, people think that because they're having a bad day, let's call it as is, they think that it's the end all and be all of their certain situation. I'm wondering if you could speak on that in terms of how do we tap into that hope and look forward to the next day? Well, I find it here very easy. Uh, all you have to do is look around you uh, i mean the the path doesn't seem so difficult if if uh we all know the path that if you get a, um, a college diploma let's say that becomes the passport to get a job okay whether you uh -huh. like the job or not at least you have that passport now once you have that passport you once you get that job then you don't have to love that job. That's just the first step. Then you can do what it takes to switch to the next job that will give you a better life. What I feel is that a few people have this um, 
mentality that this is where I am and I'm stuck here forever. And there are so many resources. I mean, there is nowadays, there is all kind of online courses that you can take. And if you don't like where you are, you can just do a little one extra hour per day of self-education. And within six months, you have another passport to go to another job. And, and you know, it's just like a staircase. And I feel like... Uh, uh, this really frustrates me that people just stay stuck in 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 that place. I don't want to um uh, feel uh, sound insensitive, but uh, imagine for example that you are a, a cashier in Walmart, uh-huh. in Walmart, okay, uh-huh. and five years later you are still a cashier and you are complaining. Because you are a cashier and Walmart is not paying you enough money to live. Well, if five years later you are still as working as a cashier, it's not Walmart's fault. It's your fault for not taking steps necessary to move to the next level, to move to, I don't know, uh, uh, being a manager assistant and then manager and then supervisor or whatever the class or the course or sacrifice that you have to make mm-hmm. in order to get out of that situation. So I, I see the staircase as very clear path to go to wherever you want to go. But of course, if you go home and, and, and turn on your Netflix and open your six packs of beer and do nothing to improve yourself, of course, five years later, you're still going to be a cashier. Obviously, obviously. And again, it's non-sensitive at all because these are the hard conversations and the real truths that need to be spoken in order to help people understand that there is no reward in just in complacency. There is no victory without effort, sacrifice, and grit. And that's what I'm hearing. You actually put in the work, you put in the time, you put in the resourcefulness to actually elevate and educate yourself, and the rewards will come with patience. And I want to talk about that because, as I know, again, I'm, you know, with the immigration process, must have been very grueling. And, again, must have been very patient and very enduring. But, you know, how did you keep yourself motivated? How did you keep yourself, okay, let's get through this day and let's get through this day? Because sometimes you can get exhausted and you can question yourself and the fear can set in. But how did you pass through those hurdles? Well, I I tell you my most difficult time. Uh, So as I was going to school, I just knew that that was something that I had to do. Whatever sacrifice, whatever it was, which is working as a janitor and then going to school, I knew that it was temporary. The difficult part came after I finished school, I graduated, and you may be able to detect I have a Spanish accent. Well, for me, that was a huge impediment because uh, uh, 10 years ago, it was much worse. And I studied finance, and I had such a hard time finding a job. Um, I actually felt that I was being discriminated. I My oh, wow. CV uh, was... I got a lot of um, uh, uh, interviews, but as soon as I opened my mouth, uh, the interview interviewer just showed me that he wasn't interested anymore. Anyways, I ended up taking a job as a insurance salesperson. And wow. And uh, that, that, the thing that I really bothered me is that in this business, the um, um, the business of uh, financial products, we are encouraged to sell the products that give us the highest commission, the highest commission for me as a salesperson okay. and the highest commission for the employer, the insurance company. And the client itself is put like at the lower rank. If the client himself gets any benefit, that's just like an extra. But we have to look out for our commission and for the commission of our employers. And this this is when I felt that I was really being challenged because because my dream um, when I started finance was to help people because have a better financial situation and here in the real world i was doing totally the inverse i was 
taking away from the regular uh, retail consumer to give to the big corporations. And after a few months, I lasted nine months doing that. And I just felt I couldn't do it anymore. Every time I make a sale and it was a high commission sale, instead of feeling happy, I really felt like throwing up. And as you could imagine, if you feel sick to your stomach every time you make a sale, you are just not going to become a good salesperson. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, after nine months, I had an argument with my um, supervisor because my sales were not uh, up to the par. Our team was not going to win the trip to Cuba. We were competing against another team and mm -hmm. I was the lagger in the team. And my supervisor was upset and I was, I just said, listen, uh, you know, I just really cannot handle this anymore. I quit. And I say that I quit and I saw those words kind of leaving my lips and I tried to grab them back <laughs> from the air, but I couldn't. They, they were saying, and once, once I say those words, I quit. Then I feel, I felt a great relief. I didn't know how I was going to you really pay my it. rent. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know what was going to become of my life as an, as an employee from that point on. But I felt such a relief because I didn't have to screw people anymore. And, and, um, and then that's where my entrepreneurial career started. That's when I started a dance school that became very successful from the dance school. I started dribbling in real estate, which I, I was very lucky and I did quite fine. I started learning and participating in the stock market. So I had a series of success, but it was out of necessity, out of not being able to find a job because uh, my accent was not the right accent because uh, I I quit from a financial institution and an other one wouldn't hire me anymore. And, and I am just so grateful that I was able to stick to my principles. Well, I guess I saw myself for nine months, but uh, at the end, I stuck to my principles and I was able to build a career from that. Congratulations on that. Congratulations, because there's some hearing all those hurdles and all these adventures and misadventures that you had to wade through. But it speaks a lot about, again, just being true to yourself, um, because it takes a lot of accountability and honesty to face your fears and face your current situation to realize that, you know what, this is not making me well. Um, this, because you're talking about being sick to your stomach, obviously this is causing me strife. This is causing me illness and this is not bringing me joy. And if anything, when we try to carry ourselves out into this thing called life, we want to be of service and we want to be true and we want to be, dare I say, happy and good on you for taking that leap to actually, you know, try to explore what this, you know, unfortunate circumstance can bring in terms of rewards and, and, um, again, you know, something that can actually make you happy. But um, now that you don't have a job, now you have to, you know, find a way to make it happen. Do you, so do you believe that sometimes we have to be, you know, with our backs against the wall to actually figure it out? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, well, that's when um, that's when we start shaking our head and find trying to look in the deepness of our imagination what could be a solution to get out from the hole where we are and that's exactly what i did and what happened is when i was going to university uh i and and working i had a girlfriend that would force me to go with her to dance classes uh, she just put her foot down. If you're going to be my boyfriend, we might as have some fun together. Otherwise, what's the point? So so I started taking dance classes with my girlfriend, and we were very regular, and I became an, uh, an okay dancer. And then we started giving uh, free dance class to a university association, and that's how I learned how to teach to dance. And I did that for free for three years at the university. And then once I was looking for a job, I, I just said, well, you know, I people were 
happy to pay me for, I mean, I was teaching dance at the university. I'm going to see if people are willing to pay me. So I put an ad uh, and uh, my intention was to do this just momentarily while I was looking and finding a job. And I put ads all over the university and people started calling and there um, I started doing this, the dancing and and then all of a sudden I find that my agenda is getting fuller and fuller and fuller. Just like that. And, and I didn't have any more time to look for a job. And then at a given moment, I said, wait a minute, I am not earning much, but man, am I having fun? I'm having fun dancing with these uh, good-looking ladies who are always smiling, who have uh, manicure and lipstick, and and everyone, I'm invited to all kinds of social events, and I'm paying my rent, and I'm paying for my food, and I'm happy. And I feel honest. People are giving me money and they're coming out of my dance floor very happy, satisfied uh, for giving me that amount of money that they gave me for those classes. And I then, I, I, it was at that moment that I said, this is something that I, I think I would like to pursue. And then I took it more seriously. I found a business partner, which she still works with me. And we opened this dance school and due to our hard work and enthusiasm and happiness to share what we had, uh, our school blossomed like from day one. Our dance classes were full and we were making a living. We had a business and we were doing just, just fine. Wow. Of course, oh. every semester we had a little bit of a fear because somehow people waited until the last moment to register for the dance class but once things got going our dance classes were full and i think for a, a given time we were running one of the most successful and more profitable dance schools in the city isn't that a terrific thing when they really tell you that you know do what you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life work doing something that you love and that's then just hearing you tell this story i'm just closing my eyes and i'm hearing all these wonderful opportunities all these people banging down the door just to come and take lessons and that's an amazing amazing thing and well that gives you a lot of hope doesn't it in terms of you know for all the people listening to this when it's all about taking chances it's all about trying different things and it's all about not feeling that you are confined to one box and that's one example that like, we can definitely take from you, Alain, is the fact that with all these, you know, with all these hats that you've worn and you're still wearing, uh, you know, throughout your journey. And it's an important thing to remind people that, you know, you are perfectly allowed to try different things. And I'm wondering if you can encourage people just, you know, just to use you as an example that, you know, yes, you can try to be a real estate investor, try your look at the stock market, try to, you know, try to open a dance school, try to write that book, you know, try to write that film, try to put out, you know, try that speaking engagement, speak for free. How can we help them out there? Well, uh I, I feel that we have uh, a, a few enemies that get in our way. Uh, those, that means, uh, first of all, whenever we, since the moment we wake up until we go to sleep, we are constantly bombarded with uh, advertisements to buy this, to buy that. And we have this social pressure to always be keeping up with the Johnsons. So if I go, if I'm a secretary and I go to the office and I see my other secretary friends wearing the latest style of shoes or latest bag, then I feel the social pressure to buy the latest thing. So we are always kind of financially running against the limit. And when we are that, that close to our limit, then we don't have margin of error to try new things. So this is another one of the enemies. The other enemy that I see that uh, overpower us is uh, uh, TV. And, you know, I love Netflix like everybody else. But uh, what happened is that I see a lot of people going to their job every day 
And then as soon as they get home, they open their bottle of wine or their six pack of beer and sit in front of the couch and watch whatever TV show is happening. And so what happens there? Then you don't have a space of, a space of mind to work on your own ideas because you are constantly consuming somebody else's idea. So what we could do uh, to, to work, uh, is to open a little bit of space. Let's say you decide to uh, spend one hour per day or 20 minutes at least for yourself, a little bit of silence, whether it's reading or just contemplating your ceiling or listening to a podcast that is very inspiring. Anyways, the thing is to get away from your mind being manipulated all the time and have that room for you to create those ideas and then to experiment. And if you give yourself a little bit of financial rope as well, then everything that you do doesn't have to be a huge risk. So we need a little bit of financial uh, uh, resources and a little bit of time. Mental space is mostly what we need. Uh, I think having those things uh, it, it will take us halfway there. There you go. There you go. I'm also a big believer in keeping people accountable. And um, a lot of times, uh, you know, we're also surrounded, but not just by that advertising and what I call the age of distraction, because the algorithms are getting so much better at distracting us. But also, um, we're also accountable to ourselves, what we tell ourselves, because you said that in the beginning, when you're talking about, you know, going to your classes, recording your classes and staying up at 3am, vacuuming, listening to your classes, you are responsible for yourself. So you have to have the drive within yourself to keep pushing. And I was wondering if you could actually help us understand just your own vision, your own concept of discipline, accountability, work ethic, and how to just stick to our convictions and our values and to remain disciplined and to produce the work that we need to do. How do we get better at that? Okay. Um, um, before getting there, on the issue of accountability, it is nice to have... To uh, I spoke at the beginning about my group of friends that were... I felt when I was living in Colombia, they were dragging me down. Now here, I have made it a purpose to look for a group of friends who are lifting me up. So um, I do uh, regular meetings at my place or in restaurants or whatever. I try to invite people who I admire, who just talking to them inspire me to to create something, to do something. And uh, so that's uh, the people that surround you has a great influence on your life. Now, for the part of accountability and discipline, it doesn't, uh, we all think that we have to make dramatic change from one day to the other in order to accomplish something. But the truth is, is that little small habits is, are the things that change our life. I, I'll give you an example. I have this habit of reading at least 20 minutes every day. So it's not a huge amount of time. So a, a, any one of us can put aside 20 minutes. So, but it's so easy not to put aside those 20 minutes as well. Uh, and if you consider that all the, uh, let's say doing exercise, let's say every night you do um, a hundred uh, abdominals or or fifty push-ups, it's so easy to do it, but at the same time it's so easy not to do it. Uh, eating is so easy to go and to a fast food restaurant and and buy a hamburger, and it's also easy to buy a, a, a salad and a couple of fruit and, and eat them as well. So so any change that we make in our life doesn't have to be a big dramatic change. It just has to be a small little change that compounded over time, then it's going to be a huge change. So yeah, think of it as a small little sacrifice, not as a huge thing that you have to accomplish from one day to the other. And if you put your mindset in that way, then you can accomplish so much. There's nothing practically that you cannot accomplish. 
We always have to stay focused on our overall goal. What is the vision? What is the purpose? And, you know, just thinking about if we're just going to take your podcast as an example, you've been doing it for a while. And again, the quality and, you know, array and a pedigree of guests that you have on is so stellar. And I was wondering, first of all, how did you get into podcasting? And I never asked you that. How did you get into podcasting? Uh, well, I told you that uh, when I used to work, I used to, um, as a janitor, I used to listen to my classes. But then after I listened to, let's say, my accounting class one or twice, I got into the habit to constantly be listening listening to something. So uh, I have been listening to podcasts for almost 20 years now. And this podcast they have been my coach, my inspiration. Uh, I've tried to follow people that inspire me, that make me dream. And eventually, uh, one of these days, I said, why? Uh, wow, I love this thing uh, so much. One of these days, I would like to do my own podcast. And then uh, I say that to myself a couple of years, and then one day, I say to myself, well, one of these days is today. And I just decided, I, I just bought the, what is it, the microphone. It's not that, that expensive. And I just hit record. And oh, and of course, I got into the discipline of asking people almost every day, hey, would you like to be my podcast? Hey, would you like to be my podcast? And many, as you know, many say no, but occasionally someone that you admire, that you think that can contribute, say yes. And that's how it happens. And isn't that funny how inspiring that is when you realize how you launched that invitation into the universe and you're like, hey, what's the worst that can happen? At least you ask. And then someone that you admire, you really look up to as a quote unquote superstar. And then they genuinely, genuinely actively just want to be on the podcast. That is such a rewarding feeling, isn't it? It is. And you know what? Every time I made uh, 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 send a, an email, I just the the bad boys the the I, the evil side of my head says why bother this person is so busy he's probably going to say no he's going to probably delete this email you you are going to annoy him and then the other voice on the other side of of my head says well if he's gonna say no anyways don't deprive him of the privilege of saying no so you know, let that person say no to you. Don't don't disqualify yourself. And that's what gives me kind of like uh, the daring to send uh, invitations to everyone. I mean, uh, I tell you, I have sent invitation, and this is this is this may seem funny, but um, every time a big star comes to Montreal, I have sent invitation to President Obama, and of course, they haven't been responded. I sent an uh, uh, invitation to Hillary Clinton when she was here in Montreal. Of course, they never got responded, but but I send the invitation, and hey, what if they? What if Hillary Clinton would have said yes? What if President Obama would have said yes? Never you know. know that you never know. You never know. Maybe, maybe for whatever political reason, he may have felt inclined that uh, to say yes, and and there he was. So, so yeah, I I always tell myself, let the other don't deprive the other person, the opportunity to say no. And isn't that true how sometimes we are often our own crutch? We are often our own um, emergency break and we refuse to release ourselves into the opportunities and potential greatness that is lying just in front of our face. If you don't take a chance, like I like to say, winners, the one, the common denominator between winners is that they show up. They try. They keep trying and they keep trying. You know, the fact that you tell me that you shoot out to Obama, you shoot out to Hillary Clinton, you have the natural human reaction, like, really? Really, Ali? Like, really, Obama? But what if what happens? Like, hey, I emailed Obama, and his team got back to me a week later. Sorry, we couldn't meet you in Montreal, but if you like, we could do a Skype call down maybe a couple of months later. Imagine that. Just imagine that for two seconds. Just imagine. You know? 
it's 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 something that you should keep trying and isn't that something that we keep encouraging people you have to try yeah yeah i mean uh, like i said don't rob somebody else the opportunity to say no to you if the answer is going to be negative well let them say it let, let them tell you that negative answer but you don't you don't uh put the brake on yourself let the other one say no and how how um how has podcasting you know uh impacted you what has been you know the greatest takeaways up you to up to your journey right now up to this point uh, there are two great takeaways first of all as you can see i'm still struggling i am still trying to become a better communicator and yes by having to communicate every week even despite my insecurities it's 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 um it's taking me along on that journey better communicator better relationships now that's that's number one the thing number two is that topic of surrounding myself with people that i admire so i cannot have the opportunity to talk to these people on my day-to-day life but through a podcast I get to speak to so many intelligent, uh, giving, uh, generous people that yes, that conversation of 30 minutes, 45 minutes, one hour, it just fills me with hope and ambition and desire to continue going in this path. If, if I never make one cent from my podcast, which right now I don't, it's going to, it will always be worth it because I get to speak to people who inspire me every day. I, and not only the speaking part, but also the preparation part, because of course, if I'm going to speak to someone, I have to learn about them. And, and while I'm learning about them and just, and just learning for myself and I'm motivating myself and I'm getting to be a better person just by studying somebody else's trajectory. Amazing. But you talk a lot about, you know, you bring you bring back your accent a lot and you're speaking you're speaking insecurities a lot. And I have no discomfort at it. I'm not judging in any way, but if I may, where do you think that insecurity comes from, Anna? Uh you know, I think it's about time to put that insecurity in in the deathbed. Uh, uh, it comes from the beginning. When I got here, I really struggled and the uh, not being able to find a job really um, did um, harm my self-confidence. But right now, uh, by this comment that you just said, and a few of my friends have said the same thing, like, get over it. You know, you have an accent, and so does Arnold Schwarzenegger has an accent. So just get over, and 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 that's what makes you you. So, uh, yes, you're coming right now. It's just one more nail in the coffin of this insecurity. So thank you so much for saying that. It is very true and it's very sincere. You know, I never put words out into the universe. You've learned to know me by now. For me personally, it really, it does not in any way serve as a kink in your armor at all. It's definitely just my friend Alain and that's how he speaks. And you know, this, uh, this is his beautiful personality into the universe. And it's not something you should ever try to either suppress or try to adjust for any wish person. And only your tribe that surrounds you, we accept you as is. And it's definitely something that I applaud you for. Don't even worry about it, man. It's really, it's a definitely big, big big thing um two things i just want to get into and this is just for my own personal curiosity um for people interested in joining toastmasters because you are part of your own local to- the mcgill toastmasters and you know i've always been curious about it and if you might don't mind sharing what is toastmasters and you know is there you know how would you encourage or any particular tips that you would you just highlight you know for people who might be curious about joining Toastmaster is a non-profit organization that was created, I believe, in 1929 by a gentleman called Ralph Smedley. And this was created at a time of the Great Depression in the United States. Uh, Ralph Smedley used to work at a YMCA in California, and he thought that he could 
uh, help people uh, prepare for their jobs interview. So he created this club that uh, will do just that, a public speaking club. Now, I call uh, Ralph Smedley an irrational man, a man that is just don't think with his any sort of rationale because he tried for about 20 years to get this club started. He he opened a club and then he fell. He opened it again in a different city and then he fell. And finally, after trying for 20 years, he succeeded. He succeeded in, in, in uh, I don't know, in somewhere in California. Oh, and then wow. once, once he succeeded, then a lot of, of the people that he was training, they started branching out into other cities in California, which after a few decades, it become other cities in the United States. And now it's an international organization with about 600,000 members globally and with the whole purpose of learning, teaching people how to speak in public and teaching people leadership leadership skills. And um, one of the things that make it kind of interesting is that every year, the 600,000 members of the club compete against each other in order to find out who is the best the best speaker of the no whole organization. Kidding. So there is such a thing as the International uh, Public Speaking Championship. And that person who wins, well, first of all, he's doing something that he likes, which is public speaking. And secondly, that person has enough speaking contract to live out of speaking for the rest of his life. Oh, wow. Uh, so that is now, uh, I think it's in about 140 different countries, and I forget how many thousands of clubs there are, but I'm sure there is a club anywhere where there is, uh, uh, well, at least in Canada, there is a club in any major c uh, city in the United States as well. And how it goes is that, uh, let's say um, you live in, what is it, Brossard? Candiac. Uh, okay, Candiac. Okay, so if you just type uh, Toastmasters and Candiac, then you probably will see a map and it will show you the closest one to you and the hours that is under operation. And in your case or anybody else's case, they can just go to a meeting and it costs nothing. You can be a, a guest and go there and observe for as long as you want. Of course, if you want to start delivering speeches and participating, then you have to become a member. And, you know, for the price uh, that it costs and what you get, it's just amazing. So I belong to a club called McGill Toastmasters. There, if you arrive there as a new member, you will pay $200 for a whole year. So a whole year, that means 50 weeks of two-hour sessions. So you are getting 100 hours of training as a speaker and as a, a leader for just $200. So that's $2 per hour that a you year. are paying. Okay. Yes, well, exactly. When you break it down, it's not that expensive. It's $2 per hour of training. It's just nothing. If you just drink a coffee in one of those meetings, that's it. You cover already, you already broke even. And, and in all the meetings, there are coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's definitely interesting because I've been really curious because uh, a lot of people in my network are like, uh, to, you know, members of a local Toastmasters. And I've always been curious and I was like, you know, because I'm always looking for, you know, outside activities just to get me out of my, uh, my daily grind. So it was something I was really curious about. And just, one additional, just one additional benefit. Go the ahead. kind of people that go to this kind of meeting are kind of people that are trying to improve themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, so if you just build those, if those people become your friends, your relationship, then you're already improving your life because there's nothing better for somebody else's life than to hang out with people who are optimists, who wants to improve themselves. That's always, always, always an added bonus for anyone on their journey. That is a terrific, terrific thing. Thank you so much for highlighting that. I really, really appreciate it. But we can't leave off the conversation without one of really big milestone. Ali wrote a book. <laughs> 
Montreal Entrepreneurship. Dude, that is it was such it was such a fun read because it's such a cool thing, first of all, to read something from someone that you know. You know, it's it's something that you grab a book by the Tony Robbins of the world, but when someone you know push out the effort you know, to put out a book, an actual book. And guys, you should definitely check it out. It's available on Amazon. Really easy read. Montreal Entrepreneurship from Idea to Lifestyle by Alain Guillot. Guys, you definitely should check it out. But Alain, where did the book start from? And for those of us with the audacity to even think that they can write a book, what would be your greatest tips? But congratulations, first of all, on the publication. But walk us through that. How was that like? Well, how was the process like? Come on. Okay. So uh, thank you so much. <laughs> um well, you know that we have the tools available nowadays. If you want to uh, create videos, there is YouTube. If you want to write blogs, there is all kind of blogging platforms. If you want to write a book, there is Amazon. So the era of the permission givers is over. You, at one time, if you wanted to write a book, you had to send a proposal. Then you had to get all this letter of rejection. Then you had to write X amount of proposals again. Now, uh, now all you have to do is basically write a book and then go to Amazon and upload it. So in the in so the thing that is preventing people from writing a book is not the tools, the lack of tools, but then the courage to do it. And now, where do you get that courage? Well. Um, in my case, I just saw other people writing books and then I said, hey, if they can do it, I can do it too. So now what's the process? Uh, we spoke about habits not too long ago. If you just set a little bit of time to do this or if you set a little bit of time to do that, then there's no limit to what you can do. So in my case, I just decided every day I'm just going to take 20 minutes and I'm just going to write uh, uh a book. I'm going to write my own story as an entrepreneur, and I'm going to be sharing the stories of other entrepreneurs around around me. And that's basically the book. I share how I came to Canada, all the struggles, the real estate, the um, the dance school, the photography, all these little stories I put together on my own. And then, of course, I wanted to share the stories of other people who have inspired me. So then it comes to having the will to do it, having the discipline to do it, and then just basically hitting publish. And uh, another thing is I have a few friends who have um, written books, have even uh, published it in Amazon, but then they haven't told anyone because I guess we are uh, self-conscious or shy or whatever, but I made it a point to make a little party. I invite a few friends and just celebrate because every time we accomplish something, it's nice to uh, congratulate yourself and say, I accomplished something before moving to the next stage of your life. I really love the way you put it. The era of the permission givers is over. Writing a book is probably on a lot of people's bucket lists, but to this point, you're always still waiting. And that's a lot of conversation. A lot of people try to give themselves the fact that maybe I should. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Who would want to read my book? Who would want to do this? Why should I write this? You should write it because you want to. You should write it because you feel like it. You should write it because it's something you want to do. You're not doing it for the applause. You're doing it because it's something that genuinely means a lot to you. And that is something that I applaud you for because it's not anybody that can have the courage to actually sit down write a book. And again, I'm not asking you to write a Stephen King novel. I'm pretty sure that's not what you set out to do, but you did what you had to do and what you knew you wanted to do, which is tell your own story. And I applaud you for that because that's a really huge deal. And I really, really congratulate you. It's a really big undertaking. I really love it. Simple read, easy read, and definitely really covers, you know, the wonderful adventure that was your life, you know, it's up to this point and continuing ongoing, beautiful entrepreneur journey. 
Man, thank you so much for your kind words. And this no, is really fill my heart of joy. Thank you but so it's, much. It's it's sincere. It's sincere. It's really, really there's a lot to be uh, there's a lot to be proud about. You know, I'm not there yet, but definitely at some point you'll probably get a link over LinkedIn, like, hey people, like you know, check out my book on Amazon. <laughs> I'm not there exactly. Yet. Well, so all it takes is just that taking the decision and sitting, you know, just saying, uh, from this time to this time, I'm going to be sitting in front of the computer and even if I don't type anything at all, that's the moment in which I'm going to be waiting for inspiration. Whether inspiration arrive or not, I'm just going to be sitting there. And inspiration, well, inspiration sees you uh, on the ether and say, wow, Oliver is sitting in the computer waiting for me. Uh, maybe I'm going to come tomorrow. And one day inspiration comes. But if you are there, if you make that appointment with inspiration and you sit there, then inspiration is going to come to you. But you just have to be there. You cannot be in the couch watching Netflix. Netflix was the inspiration of somebody else. The Netflix people are not going to like us in this recording because we've been bashing them throughout the entire interview. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not really Netflix. It's whatever. It's the six-pack of beer. It's the whatever other uh, distraction that that is preventing you from 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 accomplishing your dreams. It's definitely true. Uh, it really reminds me at some point. It's it's crazy that you're saying that. Um, but this book I really like uh, by Charlemagne the God. He's a basic a New York broadcaster, but he's really popular. He wrote a book um and then one of the, one of the book's um titles uh, definitely about you know his upbringing in a very rough neighborhood he's basically saying your life is in your hands so you have to pick your poison passion or procrastination but it's your choice eventually so you know it's a it's a nice way to to anchor it but and i i hate the fact that we're coming on top of the hour because it's such a genuine energy filled conversation but i promise i will promise to keep my to keep my promises in terms of not taking up too much of your time but because I'm so grateful for your time, because it's the one gift uh, that, you know, you can give back and the one gift that is so invaluable, which is your time. And I want to thank you for this wonderful exchange, this terrific energy and these amazing, inspiring tips that we can all use, you know, to build our little path towards our next chapter and our next journey. Um, because people need to hear these truths. People need to hear uh, these empowering, empowering facts uh, that are just, you know, just the fruit of your personal circumstances, the true proof of your, you know, proof of concept in what you've achieved. And it's such amazing things, you know, and I see nothing but greatness uh, for you coming down the pipeline. Um, first of all, and it's always the last thing I would just want to leave pe people with. Uh, it's always a running tradition on the podcast. Listening to podcasts as you do, I always try to launch it. Um, Find a final word, a kind thought, a quote, an inspiring call to action, something we can leave the listeners with uh, so they can take that next step towards their next level. What can we leave them with? Build little habits. One little habit every day is going to take you a long way. One little habit that you neglect to do, then it's going to take you nowhere. Oh, that's such a good one. That is such a good one. Ale, if people want to, the listeners want to connect with you over the interwebs, where can we find you? Ale Guillot website, do we Google you? Do we get on the podcast, on iTunes? Where can we find you? AleGuillot.com. That's the that's the main hub. That's definitely that's, all direct that's, people. Yeah, that's that's got a, a page for the podcast, a page for the book. Uh, what is it? I create events from time to time. So uh, an open invitation to anyone who wants to come to the events. They are basically small dinner parties where people just get to mingle. And usually, I invite people who are inspiring, who have a positive mindset. And you and I met in person. Yeah, one of these had a lot of fun. Dinners. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for that and invitation. We had a lot of can, fun. As you can see, there were everyone was uh, somehow an optimist, a dreamer, uh, and uh, from different backgrounds, but everyone searching for a better life. Great energy. Great energy. Alain Guillot, fellow podcaster, real estate investor, amazing dance teacher, you know, photographer. All around genuine, kind-hearted individual. I can't thank you enough. Wearing wear of so many hats, but at the core, a terrific human being and someone I'm really I'm really looking forward to keep on connecting with down the road of life and wherever life takes you. Ale, I want to congratulate you on everything and thank you again for this wonderful, wonderful exchange. It's Guys, me who thank you, Oliver. Thank you so much for having me here. 
This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. In the can with my friend Alain Guillot. Guys, catch up uh, to the episode. Will the, throughout the show notes, the show notes will be available. And I'll be sure to connect all the web links when this episode goes live. Guys, as always, thank you for being a part of this journey, this Awaken the Awesome journey. Please use all these wonderful tips and make sure that to use them and apply them uh, towards your next level. Guys, as always, stay blessed, stay sane, stay resilient, stay beautiful, and please do stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome. Stay awesome.